thank you for all of you that drove a long way. We know what it's like to go there, so we're glad that you did it to come here. We've got Colorado and Wyoming and Arizona represented and San Antonio represented and Carrollton, Texas represented, amen, all over in this place tonight, amen. VWO is well represented, amen, and we're so glad you're here, and we're going to get a word from God in the next 24 hours, amen. How many believe that? How many came not just to have a meeting, but came to have an encounter with the Lord tonight, amen. We can't just come to have a, a, a meeting. We need a touch from God tonight, amen. We need to hear his voice. We need to be challenged. How many need to be challenged tonight? Let me see if I got some real people in here. I need to be challenged, amen. How many want to How many want to grow in your faith in the next 24 hours, amen? How many want to see God do amazing things? How many know God's not done with us yet? He's got more to do, and we're ready to fight tonight, amen? How many fighters we got in here? Amen. Praise God. Well, get your Bibles open. So good to have our general, Pastor Jones here. Amen. And Pastor Paul and Emily and Pastor Dustin and Rochelle and Pastor Marshall and Sharice and Pastor Sanchez from the home church and all that are here. We just thank you for coming. Amen. Let's give them a hand tonight for making it. We're so glad and honored to have them here. And I remember as you get your Bibles open to 1 Kings, I remember seven years ago when we moved into this building and we had a pioneer boot camp and uh, pastor paul and emily were leading it up and we were just in here scraping the floors and uh for anybody that doesn't know this used to be a club for many many years for about 30 years it was a bar and a club and so we took it over and it was full of scum and full of dirt and we were scraping the floors to paint them and working hard in here and pioneer boot camp came and helped it was such a blessing at that time and i remember so so vividly and I think I might have mentioned this last year, but I want to mention again, it's just so vividly, I remember Pastor Paul walking in, I don't know if he remembers or not, but as soon as he walked in the building, he said something by faith, and he said something prophetic, and he said, I see conferences in this building, and that was seven years ago. I don't know if he remembers that or not, but I remember it, and how many know you got to speak the word by faith, and, and it didn't happen right away, and I, but I didn't forget it. And uh, I, it seemed really crazy to me because we were just trying to get this church started. And uh, here we are, seven years later, having our second rally, amen, having our second conference. So God's word comes to pass, amen? And his, and his word is real tonight. We're going to look at 1 Kings in a moment, but I want to I give you an illustration real quick before we get started. A man fell over a cliff, and as he tumbled down the sheer drop, he managed to grab onto a scrubby brush growing from the side of the rock and terrified hanging in space his life flashing before him in desperation he shouted toward heaven he said is anyone up there and astonished a voice floated down next to him and he heard the words I am the Lord God I am here and he said what do I do said the man and the voice of God replied and said let go of that branch and with my protection you will float harmlessly down to the beach below so the man glanced down several thousand feet below to the jagged rocks at the foot of the cliff and gulped and looked back up toward heaven and said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Amen. How many know that that's what God calls us to do so many times is to step out on faith? And how many know that we, don't, we think of that story tonight and we think of coming off of a cliff or hanging off of a cliff for our life and someone telling us to let go and that sounds crazy. But did you know that everything that God asks us to do is crazy? 
everything that God asks us to do is faith. And I kind of want to piggyback tonight off of a message that I preached on Sunday morning, and I feel led to go off of that tonight, and I'm not going to be the same title, but I, I really feel led to continue it. And I was talking Sunday morning that we need to have ridiculous faith. You know, you hear the word ridiculous, and sometimes we say, man, ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Well, the word ridiculous means absurd, laughable. And I told the church Sunday morning, I want to have laughable and absurd faith. I want to have so much faith that what I say sounds crazy. But how many know that when you say something about God, and when God tells you to do something, it's crazy. If you start thinking about the Gospels, when God, when Jesus told Peter to go fishing and go to a lake and get a fish out of the, out of the water, and the first fish he would find would have money in it, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. When you think of Jesus telling his disciples to go to a place and get a, 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 a mule from a, from, a, from a house that's sitting there and get some water and a pitcher at a place in an appointed time, that's crazy. When you think about t Jesus telling 12 disciples to go and change the world, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. That's, that's real faith. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about real ridiculous faith. Real faith. Blind faith. How many know that when you accepted Jesus Christ, you did it because his spirit was drawing you, but we have never seen Jesus. I was telling pastors, I picked him up today, and we were driving. I said, it's crazy when we think about what we, have, what we believe is crazy. Because we've never seen Jesus. We've never touched his hands, and we've never touched his feet. We've never been to heaven but here we are shouting and clapping and lifting our hands and praising a God we've never seen because we believe and by blind faith we say, I know that Jesus is real. Why? Because he's changed my life. Because he's healed my body. Because he's set me free from addictions. Because he's healed my marriage. Because he's done a miracle in my finances. Why do I believe? Because of what he's done. But it's blind faith. It's believing in something that I cannot see. And those who are going to do great and awesome things for God in this year of 2016 are going to do them by blind faith. So many times God asks us to do something that, that, that's, that story sounds ridiculous. Just let go and trust me that you'll float down. But God asks us to do something like that every day. Every day he's challenging us and if we're not as believers asking God to challenge us, something's wrong with our walk. If we get to a place where we're not being challenged anymore, it's not the pastor's fault or the church's fault or the people around your fault. It's your fault because you're not saying, God, I need to be challenged and I want to be challenged tonight. Amen. So I want to look at a story tonight in 1 Kings chapter 19. And I, want, and I thought Pastor Dustin was going to preach my message last night. He started this off in our church, and I appreciate him giving a great word on discipleship. And he went there, when he went there, I said, oh, no, don't do, don't do it. But luckily, he didn't stay there long. But at the same time, it was a confirmation, amen. Because there's a whole lot of verses in the Bible. And for him to read out of one of the ones I'm going to use tonight was pretty amazing. But I want to read these verses that he wrote, read, read again, but I want to look at it from a different angle. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. It says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing, plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him when he throws his mantle on him that's God just that's just like in the New Testament when Jesus said come and follow me 
It's, it's a calling. It's an appointment. It's, it's God saying, I choose you to do something for me. And the thing that we don't understand tonight sometimes, and we, the reason we don't really sometimes do what God wants us to do, is because we don't really understand that God has appointed us and anointed us and called us. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we say, me? Me? You've called me to do something for you? And that's great to be humble and everything, but God says yes. Yeah, and a matter of fact, for some of us, I called you a long time ago. And I'm still waiting for you to say yes. I'm still waiting for you to step out of the boat. Some of you might say, well, I'm doing something for God, but I don't believe any of us, myself included, I don't believe any of us are doing everything that God wants us to be doing for him tonight. I believe that every single one of us need to be doing more for God. And every single one of us need to be using our faith more. Amen? And so that anointing came upon Elisha. From Elijah, he was chosen by this man of God. And, but the thing that he was doing when he was chosen was he was working. That's not a cuss word, church. Amen. That's, that's a good word. Working. He was working. He was busy. He was in the right place. And this man, Elisha, was not, was not a poor man. The Bible says he had 12 yoke of oxen, and he was working the 12th, and he had a lot, he had a lot of oxen, and to have 12 oxen, you have to have a lot of land. So this man was not needy, but Elijah chose him, and he put his mantle on him, and watch what happens. He says, and, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother. Now this is different from the New Testament when Jesus would tell those people, go bury, let the dead go bury their dead. This was a custom in the Old Testament. He says, let me go kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And he says, go back again for what have I done to you? And 20 says, 21 says, Elisha turned back took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. How many know it takes faith to have somebody walk by you and say, I want you to follow me, I want you to serve God, and then he, that person to go and sell everything they have and leave everything they have and follow God? Did you know that that's what God has literally called us to do tonight? When, you, when he asks you to follow him, he's not asking you to be a fan of him. He's not asking you to be someone who's like, oh man, Jesus is so great. He's asking you to follow him. He's asking you to leave everything else behind. He's asking you to be in a position and in a place in your life when God says, I want you to drop that right now. That you would say, Lord, drop what? Which thing? And if he says all, you drop them all. Because there's faith, blind faith in saying, God, I hear your voice, and I know that you are God, and I will do whatever you ask me to do right now by blind faith, because faith is what moves the hand of God. Can you say amen? When God sees faith, God sees a place that he can move. We know the verse in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know that faith pleases God. A lot of times we tell God, God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, you're so awesome. You're so amazing. We say those words, and that's great. But do we mean them? Do we mean that when we say it? I was talking to a friend of mine today, and I, I really believe, and I'm not saying this to be harsh, I really believe that a lot of Christians today easily say they love God, but they don't truly believe. How many would agree with me on that? Not just to say the words, but to actually believe. 
I was telling our church Sunday morning, do you really believe everything we're talking about in the Bible? We can get trained to, 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 to go through the motions and yes, Jesus loves me and the Bible tells me so and we can come to church and we can go to service and we can go to an outreach and we can do all these things. We can even come to a rally and we can be doing all these things sometimes without truly, really believing inside in the depths of our hearts that Jesus is who he says he is and that Jesus can do what he says he can do. Because church, the lack of movement of God today in the world is not because of a lack of power. It is because of a lack of faith by the church in, in the churches in the cities and in the countries that are not tapping in to ridiculous faith. And saying, I'm tired of just going to church. I'm tired of just having a rally. I'm tired of just having a service. I want to see God move. I want to see a miracle. I want to see a life changed. I want to see me changed. Revival starts with me. Revival starts when I say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm having church tonight. I'm going to get something from God tonight because I don't care if everybody else believes. I believe. I believe. I believe every word in this book. I believe every word in this Bible. What happens here, watch this. This is where I'm going to go with this. We come to a rally. We're at a conference. We're in an exciting outreach. We're at a church service where people get saved. There's an emotion that happens there. There's an excitement when, when people are raising their hands and coming forward or a miracle takes place or something good happens. There's an excitement. And a lot of times we do uh, at conferences, we'll send out pastors and we'll start churches and we'll do a lot of things. And that's awesome. But what happens a lot of times is we make decisions by emotion. Emotional decisions. We see many times somebody up here preaching or we see a, a married couple that's in ministry and they're, they're doing exploits for God and we see it and we, we look back and we go, oh, I, I want that marriage. I want, I want that, oh, I would love to have that. Man, I see how people, how people flock to them. I see how people just admire them. I see how people, and we just, we get this attitude of wow and we begin to be pulled in and lured in and I think that that happened to Elisha because Elisha saw Elijah come and place the mantle on him and everybody knew who Elijah was okay everybody knew who he was he, everybody knew he was a mighty mighty man of God he had done amazing exploits everybody had probably heard of the story of the prophets of Baal when he had gone against 450 prophets and most of you in here know the story I'm not going to go into the story tonight when the when the, the sacrifices are burnt up by the fire of God and they're cutting themselves and they're doing he had just cut everybody had heard of that story because that's the that's the story that that gets to the pulpit that's what gets up here we had all these people saved but what does not get to the pulpit is the story between the prophets of Baal and the Elisha, Elijah to the Elisha mantle tossing. And what happened between there was Elijah sitting under a tree, being chased by, by uh, Jezebel, running to Beersheba and saying, kill me, God. Come on, somebody. Is anybody here? That, we don't see that a lot of times. We see a lot of times in, in success or something that looks good, we see the victories but we don't see the struggles and I'm saying this tonight because I think sometimes here, here's an example 
Maybe you've been, been in, saved long enough. I've been saved long enough where you've had a prophetic word given to you. Somebody's spoken a word over you. I remember many years ago, I don't remember how many years ago, I know Pastor Marshall still remembers that we, me and him were together. We had a powerful prophetic word over us. There was three of us. Now there's two. Amen. We had a powerful word over us. How many have ever had a powerful word spoken over you? I mean, it was, it was like, God is going to move, and God is going to do great things, and fire is going to come from heaven, and the winds are going to blow, and, and churches are going to be planted, and people are going to be saved, and thus says the Lord. How many are with me? And you're saying all this powerful stuff, and you're sitting there going, oh, yes, hallelujah. Yes, I receive it. Yes, I receive it. And here's the thing. That's going to happen. It'll happen. But it's interesting that God doesn't come down in that word and say, you're going to be stabbed in your back. You're going to have people talk bad about you. You're going to have people walk out of your church. You're going to have people do all kinds of crazy things to you. You're going to want to quit about 75,000 times. You're going to have problems with your marriage. You're going to have problems with your kids. You're going to have problems with your foes. Somebody, anybody here? How come God doesn't say that? He kind of leaves that out. Because if he, if he told us that, there'd be no gospel being preached. He gives us the good and says that's going to happen. But he doesn't tell us the bad. We hear of the prophets of Baal. And we hear of the passing of the mantle. And we hear the stories of Elijah going up in the whirlwind. And Elisha waiting there to get his mantle. And then him splitting the river open. We hear all that stuff. But no one wants to talk about Elijah sitting by the tree. You can read it if you want later for time. Not tonight. Let's actually let's look at it real quick. It's just right there to your left. In chapter 19, verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there, and he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and prayed, Lord, give me revival. Lord, I love this ministry. Lord, I want to do this again. He said, he prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I'm talking about real faith. Real faith. Pastor told me a couple months ago, we're survivors. We're survivors in this place. If you're sitting in this place tonight, we're survivors. Amen? We're survivors. We survive fights, we survive problems, we survive all kinds of things. If you're still here tonight, I don't care what you've been through, I don't care where you've been, if you're here, you're a survivor. You've made it to this place, you've made it to this point. Keep making it and don't stop and don't go back. Go forward. Amen? With real, ridiculous faith. Ministry to statistics. 90% of pastors, if you didn't know, this rally is pastors, leaders, and disciples. And if you're not one of those three, you can be any one. You could be a disciple tonight. We want you to be a disciple. 90% of pastors said the ministry was, this is statistics, and the ministry was completely different than from what they thought before they entered the ministry. I don't know what the other 10%, I must have got hired in a mega church. 
70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 50% of the ministers starting out will not last five years. Watch this. 4,000 new churches begin every year and 7,000 close. 75% of pastors report significant stress-related crisis at least once in their ministry. And I think once is quite small. And here's one last one. 1,700 men a month are dropping out of the ministry. 1,700 men a month are dropping out of the ministry. Now, I'm not saying that to put a damper on this message. I'm going to bring it back up. I'm talking tonight about real faith. Real faith. Because real faith is exercised in real problems. Ridiculous faith happens and we need ridiculous faith when we're facing a ridiculous problem. Amen? And the only way that we're going to win the battle is faith. Because faith has to rise us above the problem that we're facing right now. Faith has to lift us up and continue to soar us above the problems below us. And we have to have the attitude, I'm going to win. I'm going to survive. I'm going to strive. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to lift up his name. I don't care what's going on below here. I'm going up. Amen. I'm going to give Jesus glory through my faith because faith pleases God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I go back to, oh, I, I worship you, Lord. I praise you. Don't just say it. Show it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your greatest need often drives you to your greatest blessing. Think about that. Your greatest need often drives you to your greatest blessing. Why? Because it will cause you to depend 100% on God. If you're in here and you have never been through a real struggle, I'm going to keep using that word real. If you've never been through a real struggle, you've never understood the real power of God. You've never understood the real encounter and showing up of the presence of a living God. When you're in a real problem. Because Elijah was there. And it's funny how we think, well, I had a victory over there. We don't understand. I'm always trying to tell our church, a victory is followed by a, what? Say it. A battle. And then a battle is followed by a, and then another victory is followed by a, and that's life. We somehow seem to think that now that we're serving God, it's all victory. It's all victory. It's all victory. Well, the victories come, but you have to go through a battle to, be in a, to get a victory. A lot of people want the victory without the battle. A lot of people want a, a prize belt without a fight. And you don't get that. You have to go through some deep waters to get a battle won and to get a victory. But when you're in your, your, your lowest point and your deepest place, it causes you to depend 100%. On God. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. To see God move, I know that inside of us tonight, inside of us, deep down inside, we want to see God move. Not, I, I don't think anybody in here would be foolish enough to say, I don't really care about seeing the move of God. There might be some. Shame on you and, and woe to you. 
But I believe deep down inside, most of us in this place want to see a move of God. We want to see something different. We want to see God really show up. But for us to see a move of God, again, it's not God's lack of power or God being too busy. It's a lack of the church acting in miraculous faith. Because to see miraculous things, you have to have miraculous faith. Amen. You have to exercise faith and believe things that are impossible. And I ask you the question, when was the last time? When was the last time you actually exercised ridiculous faith? I don't say that condemning. I say that as a challenge. When was the last time you really stepped out and really did something that says, God, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't go with me on this, I'm going to fall flat on my face. Because if you'll ask anybody in here that has done anything for God, you're going to fall on your face sometimes. Because the only way to get a victory is to fall sometimes in trying. Amen? Sometimes trying and falling is a success. But if you don't take risks, you're never going to get anywhere for God. You have to step out and say, God, if you don't go with me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know there's a lot of people in here that have been to Disneyland or Disney World if you haven't, you've heard of those places. You've heard of, of the amazing around-the-world uh, theme parks of Disneyland and Disney World. I've been a couple times. It, it, it blows you away, the imagination that Walt Disney had. Uh, we went not too long ago, last year or something, and I remember thinking, man, some of these rides are 60 years old, and they're still cool. I thought, man, this guy was so far ahead of the game. Well, we think about somebody like Walt Disney, and we say, man, that guy had an amazing mind. Walt Disney would walk into a boardroom, and he would throw out an idea to his board. And if his board agreed with the idea, he would throw it out. Because he said, if you agree with this, that means it's too easy. Whenever he would take an idea into his board, and his board would look at each other and say, this man's crazy, he would smile and say, let's do this. Amen. That's what we need to do with God. We need to say, God, and we just see to each other in the church, let's do this. Let's go do this outreach. Let's go do this crazy exploit. And if you're all looking at each other like, then they say, let's do this. Amen. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. That's beyond what we have the means to do. Every time we've ever done a revival, every time we've ever done this, every time we've ever had somebody come in. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Pastor Dylan. He's been out for three, three months, and I told him, listen, he's having some pastors in this time. He says, man, this is going to be a step of faith. I said, we've been out seven years. It's still a step of faith. The step of faith's never going to stop. It's never going to stop being a faith pastor, faith step pastors. It's never going to stop. Pastor, is it ever going to stop? It never stops, right? We just have to keep using faith. But we have a God who gets excited when his people rise up and believe in crazy things. Amen. I won't read it for time, but I mentioned it in Matthew 17, where Jesus tells Peter to go get that fish. Y'all know how ridiculous that is? It's ridiculous. It's crazy. But how many know that supernatural provision came out of that obedience to say, you know what, I'm just crazy enough to believe this man that in his word... I'm going to go over to Lake Louisville 
and I'm going to go fishing. And I told the church Sunday morning that, you know, a lot of times when you hear a word at first, fear immediately hits you. False evidence appearing real. No, 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 that, that's, that's not God. And just, listen, the thing we've got to understand is when it's, seen, when it's scary, it's God. That's how you know it's God. Because God always asks you to do something that's crazy. And if it's not crazy, it's probably not God. Because he moves by faith. He move, he, he's pleased by faith. Can you imagine me telling you tonight? Pastor tomorrow, you go get in your car after service and drive to the lake and, and go fish. And the first 10 fish you catch is going to be donuts for all of us tomorrow. Can you imagine? No, they're going to turn into good donuts. It won't be smelly. Krispy Kreme with no fat. I'd eat 10 of them if they were no fat. I'd eat three if they were. Can you imagine that, though? How, how crazy and ridiculous that would be? If I said that tonight, not one of you in here would even give it a second thought. But what if after church, Pastor Mark had something in him Something in him. He's getting in his car and he's going to drive off this parking lot and something in his spirit says, that was God. I want you to drive to that lake. Yeah, just like you're looking at me is what you, how you'd be looking at the, at the mirror in your car. Some of you are like, but here's the thing. Maybe he starts his car up and he says, nah, where, where are we going to eat? And he starts driving, but something inside of him again says, no, no, no. I'm being serious. This is me. See, the way that this is working out is how we've all felt when God has spoken to us. And then all of a sudden he says, man, what in the world am I doing? Okay, and he, and he puts on the GPS Lake Louisville. But as he starts driving there, something inside of him begins to build and rise in him that says, you know what? I believe that as crazy as this sounds, I believe it's possible that when I get to that, how many are following me? Something's building something's building we're bringing some sick person forward and we know they have arthritis or we know they have cancer or they know we have something and you that's around them that knows that you have it and they say oh we're going to pray for this sick person at first oh man you know you know the symptoms you know the problems and as they start walking forward something rises in you and faith begins to build up and you begin to say oh my god i actually believe that when they actually pray for him or her i think that cancer might actually disappear i think something might actually happen i think a miracle might actually actually happened faith begins to arise and as Peter was going to that lake I believe I believe with all my heart something was rising up in him and he was probably having that crazy thing we do in the car sometimes where we get like the Holy Spirit touches us in a song or something and we're like worshiping him and praising him and singing and all by himself He's having church all by himself because he's realizing I am about to see a miracle because the King of Kings and Lord of Lords told me to go do something and now I'm doing it and as I'm doing it, faith is arising in me and I believe that the fish that I'm supposed to catch is already heading towards the bank of the river because I'm going to catch that first fish and when I put my hand out, I'm going to catch a fish and the crazy thing is I'm going to open up the mouth of that fish and I'm going to get a coin. Ridiculous faith. Blind faith, crazy faith is what moves God. We say about seeing and believing. We're seeing, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it if I see it, people. That's, that's the world. I'll see it and I'll believe it. The world says, I'll believe it when I see it. The word of God says, I see it, 
when I believe it. Think about that. I'll see it when I believe it. There was a story, true story, in China. An eye surgeon who went to China as a missionary began practicing in one of China's hospitals. And one of the first surgeries he performed was on a man who had been nearly blinded by cataracts. The operation was successful and the man recovered his sight 100%. A few weeks later, the missionary was greatly surprised when there was a knock on his door and 48 blind men showed up on the hospital doorstep. These blind men, listen to this, had walked more than 250 miles from a remote area of China to get to the hospital in order that they might receive their sight. They had traveled the entire distance by holding on to a rope that kept them all together. And guess who had held the front of the rope and led them all the way? The man who had had his sight restored by the man who was going to restore the others. How many have had their sight restored tonight by Jesus? Blind faith says, God has saved me. God has healed me. God has given me sight. God has given me a new life. Now I need to grab the rope and I need to start taking some people to the man who can tell me everything I've ever done. I need to start taking some people by the hand and lead them to the man who can heal their body. I need to start grabbing people by the hand and leading them with a rope and taking them to church and tell them this is the man who can free you from your addictions. Amen. Am I talking to anybody in here tonight who has had God do anything in their life? Real faith. Or have we been saved so long that it's just become normal to us now? We need to get revived. We need to get excited again. We need to get un-Americanized. Amen. We need to get un-Americanized. We're spoiled. We need to get revival. We need to get excited about God again. Because even though this world's dead, God's not dead. Can you say amen? He's still alive, and revival can still be alive. But it has to come, and it will come to those who have blind faith. Amen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There was a tightrope walker who did incredible aerial feats all over Paris. He would do tightrope acts as tremendously scary heights. He had succeeded in all his acts. He would do it blindfolded. He would go across the tightrope, blindfolded. Then he would go back across the tightrope again with a wheelbarrow. An American promoter read about this in the papers and wrote a letter to the tightroper and made him an offer. He said, tightroper, I don't believe you can do it, but I'm willing to make you an offer for a very substantial sum of money. Besides all your transportation fees, I would like to challenge you to, a, to your, do your act over at Niagara Falls. The tightrope wrote back, Sir, although I've never been to America and never seen the falls, I'd love to come. Doesn't that sound like the kind of faith we should have? Although I've never been to America, I've never seen this thing you're talking about, I'll come. Well, after a lot of promotions, setting the whole thing up, and many people coming to see the event, tightrope was to start on the Canadian side of the falls and walk to the American side. Drum rolls happened, and he comes across the rope, which is suspended over the most treacherous part of Niagara Falls, blindfolded. 
and he makes it across easily. The crowds go wild. He walks over to the promoter and says, well, Mr. Promoter, do you believe I can do it? Well, of course I do. I mean, I just saw you do it. No, said Tightrope, do you really believe I can do it? Yes, Mr. Promoter said, I believe you can do it. He said, no, no, you don't understand. Do you really, really believe I can do it? Yes, the promoter said. He said, good, get in the wheelbarrow. Come on. Get in the wheelbarrow. If we would look at God like that, God has already gone across the tightrope. God has already gone to, Jesus has already gone to the cross. The Bible says he has already walked out our steps. Come on, somebody. He has already walked out our steps. And what he is literally telling us is, do you really believe? Then get in the wheelbarrow. Listen, I'd rather trust Jesus with the wheelbarrow than anybody in this world. Amen? How many would just jump in the wheelbarrow and let Jesus take you across the waters? Because we serve a Jesus that cannot lose, cannot fail, cannot lie, amen, and cannot go back on his word, amen? Does anybody still believe that that Jesus is still wanting to do something in this city and in this state and this nation and around the world? Does somebody still believe that? Real faith. Means move, move, moves real mountains. Real faith. Faith hears the inaudible, sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. See, we're sitting here listening to this message, and it's like, oh, wow, yeah, this is what God has called us to. Faith. And not just in this rally, but Monday. Next week. When you're facing a real problem because tonight we're all here together and there's safety in numbers and there's power in numbers and this is powerful and this is why we do this because it's called a rally. It means let's rally. It means let's come together and fight. It means let's go forward. We're doing this on purpose to get us excited, to get us focused, to get us concentrated. But if we'll individually begin to step out to what God has called us to do, we will see the miraculous and the impossible take place amen one last verse in first corinthians chapter one you know these verses but let's read them tonight just to close because many times we know the verse we can quote the verse but i ask you again do we believe the verse first corinthians chapter one For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. How many still believe that, that the cross is the power of God tonight? How many believe it's foolishness to the world? It's craziness. The, the world doesn't understand it. That's another thing we don't get is the word value was mentioned several times tonight. You know why a lot of us and when I say us, I mean people, not us because we're here. You know why a lot of people don't go to church like they should? Because they don't value. They don't value what God's doing. They don't value a life change. They don't value someone who would pray for them. 
They don't value somebody who would visit them in the hospital. They don't value a place of refuge. They don't value those things. And, and listen, I'm not saying this to be mean. Many times we can have a great place and not value it. We can be in a place and, and we maybe have never known anything else and we, can, we don't value it like we should. Don't be the people that have to lose something to learn the value of something. Be wise and say, I've got something good here. Don't be that person that has to say, let me go out and try this for myself. Let me go get beat up a little bit. Let me be the prodigal son a little bit. Let me go get hurt a little bit so I can feel the pain for myself. That's not smart. That's stupid. Take it from some people who've been through some things and say, listen, this is a good place. This is a good church. This is a good fellowship. This is a good place that you should value. There's, there's life here. There's integrity here. There's truth here. The gospel's being preached here. There's missions going on here. Value it. Value what you have tonight. We don't value what we have sometimes in church because we don't truly value the cross. We have to go back and really value what Jesus did for us. And then we say, wow, the message of the cross is foolishness. Verse 21 says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, but it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to those to save those who believe and verse 25 says because the foolishness of God watch this the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men do you know how easily we can get pulled into trusting more in our job and more in our country and more in people than we do God it's real easy and we don't have to be people that have to go through trials to learn that, but God will take us there if we need to. And I'm just, I'm just crazy enough to want to wanna learn from other people. I just like to watch other people, not I like to watch other people fall. I just like to learn when other people fall. I don't get joy when they fall, but I like to go, oh, there's the hole they fell in. I'm not going that way. I'm going this way. I'm not going to go in that trap. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not foolish enough to fall in that hole twice. How many just be wise enough to say the wisdom of God, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man? Amen. Let me give you one more story as I close. Several years ago, the dazed crew members of a Japanese boat were being plucked out of the sea of Japan, clinging to the, it's a true story, to the wreckage of their sunken, sunken ship. Let's say that a bunch of times fast. Sunken ship. Don't say that a bunch of times. <laughs> Don't say that a bunch of times. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah, pastor told me I could cuss. I like this church. Their rescue, however, was followed, okay, sunken ship, followed by one immediate imprisonment once authorities questioned the sailors on their ship's loss. Every single one of them claimed that a cow falling out of a clear blue sky had struck the deck, shattered its hull, and sunk the vessel within minutes. How many believe that's impossible? Okay, that's a crazy story. They got locked up for it. They remained in prison for several weeks until the Russian Air Force reluctantly informed Japanese authorities that the crew of one of its cargo planes had apparently stolen a cow, 
wandering at the edge of a Siberian field, forced the cow into the plain's hold, and took off for home. Unprepared for live cargo, the Russian crew was ill-equipped to manage a rampaging cow within the hold of the plane. To save the aircraft and themselves, they shoved the animal out of the cargo hold as they crossed the Japanese sea at an altitude of 30,000 feet. Now that sounds foolish and crazy, but it turns out to be true. How many know that a lot of stuff that we hear in the Bible sounds foolish, but it's true? To think that God caused a virgin to bear a child. To think that a boy was fully man, yet fully God. To think that a man actually came down from heaven and lived in a human body and then walked around this earth and never sinned. To think that a man fed thousands of people with a few fish and loaves sounds foolish. But it's true. And we're just foolish enough to believe it. And because we're foolish enough to believe it, the Bible says that we're wise. Because the foolishness of the cross is wisdom for those who are being saved. Can you say amen?